0: This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5.
1: For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way,
0: you haven't seen it at all.
1: This is where the fun begins. Chewing.
0: We're home. Hello there. We would
1: be honored if you would join us.
0: Welcome to the Blue Mill Cafe. Grab an empty stool at the counter, order a cup of Jawa juice, and a nice slice of yogin fruit pie and get ready because we're about to talk all things Star Wars. Cafe. This is episode 151. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm the co pilot, RFB. And this week we are going back to The Mandalorian episode 1 and talking about the entire uh, first season of The Mandalorian. And RFB has has come up with a great way to tackle the first season. Uh, So I'm going to let him go ahead and you, uh, what he came up with.
1: Yeah, we're gonna do this kind of like what I'm doing with my podcast playlist is getting very few recent and current drops of episodes. Grateful for the folks that are still going and choose to sit behind a microphone and talking what all manner of Star Wars we're getting. And then lately, I've been getting about five or six to for a day. So what I've been doing, I thought, I need to have some, I want someone talking Star Wars in my ears from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. What can I get into so that I got that? And I thought, well, we've got how many different series? We've got three seasons of Mando. we got Book of Boba Fett. We've got Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've got Andor. we got the Bad Batch. What if I started with season one and went way, way back, four years, and started listening to everybody dropping their recaps and reviews of the first season, the first eight chapters of Bando? So that's what started filling out. I've got, I posted in the Twitterverse a few days ago that it's 15 or 16 ish different podcasts that have been rolling for over 10 years. In my library. So that's plenty to pull from for me to give a listen to. And I've been mixing them up so that no one gets a bigger listen than any other one. And then posting them in the Twitterverse for anybody that's interested in going back that far to listen to the wonderment of what it was like to be told these kind of stories we've never had. I've always said every next new Star Wars, Size or Tell, something new and different than the ones that all come before it. And the Mandalorian did just that. We've never had, The only other way we've had Star Wars on a small screen were the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy running on places like TBS or TNT or USA, some such. It, Mando right. took us to, yeah, telling us a whole different part of the new story in a time in the galaxy that... The only other way we've had these stories were in books and novels, um, post-Return of the Jedi, that fits in canon. And it had no connection. It only had strings and threads tied to things we were familiar with. So that's what we're doing with Mandalorian. We're going way, way back, four years, to 2019, November 12th is when we got Chapter 1.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember the the build up to Ando season one. At mm-hmm. the time, I, we didn't even have Disney Plus yet. mm
1: um, It weren't a thing.
0: I know people were going out and uh, subscribing right away, so they, you know, it was all fired up for them when it dropped. Um, I had to wait a little while for it. It basically was an early Christmas present for me that year. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we basically now we don't do cable or live TV. We just do streaming services. Same so, here. This is when the ones we have, we have like maybe four or five, maybe four. Um, the, the other ones we have are the free services like 2D and FreeView and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we have we have a couple of the major ones. But yeah, I, I remember coming home and my wife saying, you know, she went ahead and subscribed to Disney Plus today, and this was like maybe three or four days after the premiere of Mandalorian. So we sat down that weekend and watched Mandalorian, and it was like, it, it took me back to when I was a seven, eight-year-old kid seeing Star Wars for the first time. Absolutely. So all new. like. Star Wars series on TV. This can't be. I mean, what the heck's going on? But, yeah, I enjoyed it. And the only complaint I had was after the first episode was over, I was like, I said to myself, damn it, I wish they were were like Netflix and dropped them all at one time. Because I just wanted to keep going.
1: I was kind of happy that that they run it out. For the eight weeks that they did. Well the Mandalorian was the the pilot that started started Disney Plus, but that wasn't weren't the only thing that Disney was fixing to put on there. That they were opening up some of their vault to put some of their other films that ain't been on D V D or Blu ray or even VHS for years. Along with, yeah, there's a bunch of other really fascinating stuff that started with Disney+. Plus. And it, it, for me, it, it's the only streaming service I have. I ain't got Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. I did try Hulu for a short spell when the Predator Prey film came out. That was the only thing that got me with that. And once once I got to see that, I looked around, and there weren't really much else that interested me. So Hulu went bye-bye on my end. still have Disney+, Plus and it ain't going nowhere. I know a lot of folks and friends are kind of disconnecting with it right now as a means to try to say something to the studios because the actors still ain't. Yeah, for me, no, it's it, I'm sticking with it. But, yeah, watching Mando just like yourself, Jeff, uh, it took me back to being nine years old, seeing Star Wars for the first time. Um, opening this story up. I
0: eventually got used to the week to week because yeah, that's how I grew up with a point of television. So after a while, after I was like, you know, I'm with the next episode right now. After that initial like you know excitement, I was like, you know what, this is good. It gives me something to look forward to every week now. Again, like I did mm-hmm. when I was a kid and watching like A Team or MacGyver. Yeah, you know, shows I watched when I was a kid. So But yeah, I'm glad yes. Disney Plus does the you know, week week to week drop now. And I know um used to be HBO Max, it's now just Max. Max does that now too. Amazon does it. So a lot of other streaming services are starting to do the week to week drop now. Netflix is still the only holdout I think.
1: Yeah, we were schooled back in the original trilogy times. Instead of three years in between, we had seven days. So right. Right. when it opened up, we yeah, we got to see this whole neat little thing. And most folks were clamoring for it to be about an hour or so, and it didn't turn up that way. The story played out as, as long as it needed to, to be. Um, chapter one ran about 37, 38 minutes, but... There was so much story in that time. I never once clicked on the screen to see where it was in the timer because I was so wrapped up in the story, taken yeah. from start to finish. Um, the way Chapter 1 it opens up is we get to see on this icy world um,
0: Mandalorian
1: with what we're learning. There's a bunch of neat little technology in the galaxy. Yeah, he's got a tracking fob just little black box with a, a blinking red light and little silver antenna, and he's standing on a boarded walkway in this cold, frosty, icy world. Um, we were talking just pre-show real quick that I had mentioned I was sitting here a few days ago this past week thinking on it because there's a bunch of different worlds that we're introduced to that – still do not know the location of where in the galaxy they are. It might it might be said if you look it up in Wikipedia that's in the Outer Rim, and I'm always one of curiosity to know, all right, where in the Outer Rim? Is it Galactic North, Galactic East, Galactic South? Because I have a galaxy map that I like going and looking, and right now we only have maybe one or two worlds that if anybody's curious about seeing, taking a look at this map, I'm happy to share it out. Um we start out with what I thought was the same world that we were introduced to in season 2 the uh the passenger where he crashes on a snowy icy world right. called Auto Crease. and I I was took with this was the same world they tweeted out on the twitterers and a fellow twitterverse friend that I had in the cafe a chat with a couple of weeks ago Star Wars 5W Shane Henderson ...corrected me and said that this was Patagon, not Mallow Crease. And he was right to correct me. And I went and asked him where he, where he had found that. And it turned up in a, in a little visual guide put out a couple years ago, which I, thanks to Shane, I went and picked up through used Amazon books for cheap credits. Very cheap credits. And turned up, yep, there it was. Patagon in that book. Um... What's some other neat stuff that come out of this? We got introduced to a mithril, a new a new species who was never named, that turned up to be the bounty that the Mandalorian was after. Uh, what else come out of this? There was um well the biggest surprise was a youngin that's the same species as Yoda. Nobody in the galaxy was ready for that. And I had heard whispers from making Star Wars that there was going to be a youngin in this that was that species. Where in the story Jason could not find out how he turned up, what it was up to. All it was said was that he had friends that had seen like a puppet on the set of a young and Yoda's species. So I, I knew about a little thing about that, but we ended up finding out where. It turns up at the end of the chapter, the story. We also get to see um, a bounty guild droid that was the same make and model as IG-88 that we've seen in The Empire Strikes Back it was one of the five bounty hunters that Darth Vader had hired to find the Millennium Falcon. one of the neatest things is just watching how Industrial Light and Magic does their magic to make IG-11 come to life.
0: Yeah.
1: How yeah. Uh, else is there? Um, we got to see another Kubaz, which is like Grinden that was turning in ben kenobi and luke skywalker to the stormtroopers on tatooine he's the ferryman on patagon after mandalorian has the mithral taking him to the razor crest right. and yeah he's going he's going to the the port to
0: That's get where you find out he doesn't like droid
1: yeah this there's a speeder that pulls up that has an R2 built into it. Yeah, and doesn't please the Mandalorian at all. He's like, no droids. Um, Even
0: that, brand particular,
1: that particular Kubaz ferryman was played by Chris Bartlett, who we know is get the official stand in for C3PO when Anthony Daniels doesn't do. Chris Bartlett was that that Kuvas Ferryman. I've heard him, he was a guest on a few different plots that was asking about the different parts that he had played back then and how difficult it was to have that, that kind of flute instrument to fit up into the his snout. It was a little tricky, but Chris pulled it off brilliantly. Um, right. Let's see. What particular things might stand out to you about chapter one, or even chapter two, Jeff? Well,
0: as you said, the uh, um, Grogu obviously put out, um, and of course, you we don't, don't find his name out, I think, until chapter or season two.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he was just referred to as your child, and every mm-hmm. time I, I know. Some people in the Twitterverse, some Star Wars fans, got really uptight and we refer to him as Baby Yoda, which I was referring to him as because what else should I call them? Call him. And they were like, you call him the child. That's what he called the child. And I was like, mm-hmm. that, that was me. He, he was Baby Yoda.
1: But, oh, I've heard, I've heard a bunch of different nicknames run around. Everything from Yoodle to... Yiddle. Um, yeah, oh, there were a lot of a lot of friends that were making use of that one because we didn't know what else it was to call him. Somebody else, um, I want to say it was the Bay the Milk Podcast Boys, Rob and Nick. They went as far as calling him Norman.
0: Norman, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Whatever name, just give him the name. But yeah, he stood out to me. And you still don't know what species it is, and frankly, I don't want to know. No, I like the it's, fact that Yoda is a mystery. Mm-hmm,
1: it's highly likely, yeah, there's there's there are mysteries in the Star Wars galaxy that we're well off and good enough to not ever know what those are. We don't have to know.
0: Right.
1: There's a lot of useless knowledge I get packed in my brain about different stuff. And that one I'm happy to not ever, ever know. Right. right. Now, um, another thing that's good, um, I think...
0: Probably my most watched episode of season one would have mm-hmm. to be Sanctuary. I Ooh. think that's chapter four. Yep. And that's the one where we're introduced to Cardoom. Mm-hmm. And I know there's controversy of, you know, what different people think of what happened to Jimmy Carano and that whole situation. Um, I... I've always been a person that says, you know, you work for an employer and if they tell you these are the parameters of your job and if you do this, this, and this, there's going to be consequences. And, you know, she paid the consequence. And am I upset that she went? Yeah, kind of, because I really like her character. That's why, thankfully, Mm -hmm. my favorite episode of season one. And really liked her character. And that was just, it it just felt when she, when they dismissed her, yes, I was a little bit upset, but I understood why they did it. It didn't really irritate me like it did some fans. But, you know, these things happen in today's world, in the kind of world we're living in. So, I mean, I... I look at it as if I knew if I made those comments in my workplace, where I work, I would have been dismissed. No questions asked. So, that's, that's what I'm paying That's how I look at everything. Would I have been fired at my job if I would have done what that person did? And that's just how I look at it. But anyway, I'm not here to get into that crap. But, yeah, that that would be my favorite episode, like I said, because of Cargoon. because of the the, um, planet they were on, I really like that planet. I I like the greener planet, I guess, is what you would say, because I like Endor, I like Naboo, any planet, I even like Dagobah, any planet that has some sort of color to it, I like, but... Yeah, other than that, the main character, of course, the Mandalorian, before we even knew his his name. Now, a lot of people don't even refer to him as the Mandalorian anymore, they just say did. So, but yeah, his his character quickly became one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. I think it was after episode three. I was just like, yeah, so this guy, so I like this guy. So. But yeah, this is what I thought for Mandalorians really like took up because before this Mandalorian 3 was just another what do you call it a set of people in the Star Wars universe. You know, I didn't one way or but now they're like one of my favorites, so mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: Oh, we gotta go. Speak to taken taken too soon was the only other time that we've seen ognats
0: Oh yes,
1: films was was on Cloud City working,
0: and yeah, we never really heard them talk. In no,
1: they spoke their their own language. No, right. on Arvala, on Arvala Seven when. Then has the bounty to go after this asset that an imperial that we've only ever known as the client, who's clearly working from off Gideon. Somebody else. We. It's a part of the imperial remnant because the empire may have got done in, but there are still factions running through the galaxy. The empire is not completely done in. He gets this bounty to go. All he knows is an age, and he has a, a, a tracker for where to locate it. Takes him to this new deserty planet called Arvala 7, where he meets an Ugnaught by the name of Kawil
0: Nick Nolte.
1: Nick Nolte by the voice, um, portrayed in the suit by actress Misty Rosas who's also been guested on different pods. Definitely friends, Go to take a walk, a jump back in your way, way back, and look up, she was on with The Force Geeks. She was on with a good many different pods. Yeah, if you wanna hear, and she's a fan, just like us, who was asked to come play this part, among others. Um, yeah, we go to Arvala 7, which is a neat, neat place. I know some folks were having issues with another desert planet. It's a galaxy, folks. There's planets all through it. Of different different types. Yeah, and Arvella 7 Sevens where we get to meet Quill, we get to meet IG eleven. Uh let's see. The the, the forested planet for chapter four you're speaking to, Jeff, is Sorgen.
0: Okay.
1: Yes. Um Something else we we get to see out of that is the farmers on that planet. Yeah, I'm I'm going back to chapter four quite a bit. Um, we get to see that they're farming little blue kind kind of similar in a way to crawfish, maybe more so than shrimp. They farm it and they brew up a drink, an alcoholic drink called spatchka. And in our galaxy. I've got a recipe for that. I've made it quite a few times. It's a pretty straight up simple one. If anybody's interested in making got to have for yourself, definitely hit me up. I'm happy I have shared that recipe out many a time, and I'm happy to do it with anybody that wants. Um, it also earned me my call sign in Brown Squadron as the, yeah the first, first on-show guest with uh, Brown Leader and Brown 2 and Brown 4, I just happened to be sipping Spotchka while we were talking about the Book of Boat Effect coming up for Episode 1, chatting about that. So when that episode wound up, Brown Leader christened me Brown 5, Spotchka because <laughs> I was pretty buzzing by the time we were wrapping up recording. But Dr Mando... Um, Chapter 5 is another go-to that I liked. Some folks had issues with Toro Calican because he was supposed to be that kind of a pain in the ass, had himself blown up in his own head, that he was just really was
0: really want to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely he was. A lot of folks really took to hating him, and then not long after we got this chapter, the actor himself, went around running his mouth a bit and done he got the same thing done to him what happened to Gina Carano. Only just by mouth off just by mouthing off and not staying in the, his lane. He would have been in a better spot, but too bad for him. Um yeah, that that was a fun one that we get introduced to a new mercenary and maybe bounty hunter, Stan Exhen. Fennec Shand. Yep. Who
0: glorious, very quick.
1: Yep. Very gloriously portrayed by actress Ming Na Wen, who through season two, as they were filming season two, if I recall correctly, had discovered that she and Dave Filoni went to high school together in Pittsburgh. Right down southeast of me. Yeah, they didn't realize it at the time. She was a grade or two ahead of him. Right. She's right about... She's a a year... A couple years older than me. And does not look... No. (laughs) At all the age that she really is. And it also turns up she's just as much of a nerd (laughs) as we all are.
0: Yeah, I found that out when... My wife and I, a while back, we were flipping through our uh, services here. We came across uh, Street Fighter. I don't know if you remember that movie back in the day.
1: I ain't seen it, but I'm, f- I'm familiar with it.
0: Yeah, another movie that was based on a video game back in the day. Um, yeah, she played one of the... Main characters in that, and I didn't realize it until so they showed her on screen. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know she was in this movie. So, <laughs> but yeah, see, and back then, she was like, I think like, Street Fighter was late 80s, early 90s. So, yeah, I was young back then, and she looks the same. So, I was, wow. Some people just have the gift, that gift.
1: Oh, absolutely. She's a beautiful woman. Uh, let's see. could th- touch on Chapter 6, too. This one I really had an absolute blast with. That we, Mando goes looking, he gets called upon for a job with a fella that he was running around the galaxy with when, in his younger days by the name of Ranzar Melt who hasn't come along they want to he's got a, a crew and he needs a ship that's older that can't really be traced by the New Republic which happens the Razor Crest is just one such ship of the little that we knew of it I want to say it was from back in just around Clone War days so he gets hired onto this job with a Twi'lek by the name of Shion, a Deveronian named Blurg. Not Blurg, Berg. Blurg the thing rides. Blurg's yeah. the thing learns to ride in, in Chapter 1. And a human who was a former Imperial marksman by the name of Miggs Mayfeld, who takes to making a bit of fun of Mandalorian.
0: Yeah.
1: So they get onto this New Republic prison ship transporting prisoners to bounce. Cheon's brother, Quinn, and through the whole thing. It turns up, it's kind of like, it gets told through this chapter, sort of like a spooky, scary story. Because the, the, the crew that's working for Malk turns their back on the Mandalorian, throws him into the same cell that they, they get Quinn out of, and he finds himself out of it, and one by one takes down the, the mercenary crew that he started out working alongside and locks them in the cell. Yeah, Chapter 6, The Prisoner. This one was just fantastic.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Bill Burr. So Him them getting them get to play Migs was really awesome. I mean, perfect casting.
1: Yeah, coming into this, I had no idea who Bill Burr was. Not one clue.
0: Yeah, he's he's stand-up comedian. Um, he's had he he had a animated series that I really enjoyed on uh, Netflix called F is for Family*. Hmm. Uh, he yeah, but he, he's more known as a stand-up comedian, and the people that know him and know his comedy. Know what I'm talking about. He, he could be raunchy, but he was perfect casting for this because he needed someone that was a wise, cracking, smartass, but also someone that looked tough. And still just put that description to me. So,
1: yeah. All that I did leave out one other part of Ranzar Malk's crew was it's kind of similar to an RA 7 droid, which we know growing up is a Death Star droid. Yeah. It's similar kind of relation to is also part of this crew, is this droid named Q90. He just goes by Zero, or sometimes Megs refers to him as Z. He stays aboard the Razor Crest to get them through all the different security spots on this prison ship, and turns up also discovers that this youngin, Grogu on the ship, who's kind of making his way around, finds him in the cockpit after the comms have been cut and Zero can't connect with the crew on the, on the prison ship and ends up finding Grogu in the bunk aboard the Razor Crest. And funnily enough, He's carrying the same exact weapon that we see Boba Fett has in Return of the Jedi, an EE-3 blaster carbine. Right as he's lightening them up in the scope, he gets taken out from behind by the Mandalorian. Ah, let's see. That was Chapter 6. All right, Chapter 7. The Reckoning. This is where the... The first season's really ramping up. We're getting near the end of it. That the Mandalorian goes back to Saurian because he's been contacted by Greef Karga about the client really wants this asset. So he puts together this plan to go and take this down. So he goes back to Sorgan and he looks up Cara Dune and tells her that he needs her help because she didn't want anything to do with fighting Imperials anymore. The last that she had done as a rebel drop trooper after all the big fighting was done, she was just kind of relegating to protecting New Republic officials, which weren't what she signed up for. So she kind of went into an early retirement. And he goes back to Sorgon, where we see her fighting a Zabrak in this neat kind of doing what the actress Gina Carano did in real life, was kind of like kickboxing stuff. Yeah, he gets her. And he goes back then to Arbala 7 to ask for Quill and his help, where we see that he's, Quill has rebuilt IG-11 and reprogrammed him to be a nurse droid and a protector. Right. So he gets the crew and the Blurg, and they head back to Navarro and set up a short little camp for the night and then they end up turned up that they get attacked by raptor reptilians which look like, like flying dragons and one of them dices up grief cargo pretty bad and he's hurt and there ain't enough med kits to get any help for him and this is coming right up close to this is just a few weeks before Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, comes out. So they're going to tease a little bit of thing, little bitty thing in in this story that has in relation to The Rise of Skywalker, where in chapter two on Overalla Seven, when Dins tasked with trying to get all the parts that Aquil Jaw was stripped the Razor Crest, and they want this egg from. A creature called a mudhorn that Din has to go and get. In the in the beginning of that chapter, <coughs> Din gets hurt and he's trying to fix his armor and heal himself up. And this little youngin, Grogu, comes out of his little um, pram to go up and try to heal Mando, and he doesn't understand what that is, but it turns up that the kid ends up healing grief Karga after the Reptavians dice him up.
0: Right.
1: Which absolutely, Quill gets to see it. Everybody gets to see it. Cara Dune gets to see it. And nobody can believe what they just saw happen. And it tuckers the young and out a little bit. Yeah, they make their way into, into the town. And sit down with the client, and unknown to him, Grogu's still on the Razor Crest with Quill. And right as this, the client's really tasking him with wanting to see the kid, he gets a call from none other than Moff Gideon, who turns up is there on planet. And he takes out the whole little cantina and the four remnant stormtroopers that are the fire team that protects the client and pins Kara and Mando and Grief in the cantina. We get a little peek outside that turns up there's death troopers here. And... A couple of platoons of stormtroopers who go and set up an E-Web blaster cannon. And then we get to see this neat thing that folks would did never know that TIE fighters could land like that is a yet another new model of the TIE LN. It's called an Outlander TIE fighter where the wings fold outward so that it actually has landing gear and can land. And out pops Moth Gideon. Who gives them until sunset to turn themselves in, along with the kid. And then we get some descriptions of some of these folks over the past few chapters that we didn't really know anything about. We get the Mandalorian's name, Bindajaran, and what happened when he was younger, being brought up as a foundling. We learned that Grief Carga is a disgraced magistrate. And we already kind of knew that Cara Dune was a rebel dropper. But everybody's really surprised that Moth Gideon's got all this information on them. Okay. Yeah, how did that hit you when we learned that?
0: All right. How it hit me was, I was saying to myself, well, so we have another villain in Star Wars. Sort of like Thrawn that does his homework before he goes into the battle mm-hmm. he, he gets stuff that he can use against uh, his opponents psychologically to get in their heads and that's just left out because I might not be the biggest Thrawn fan but that's one thing I admire about his character he, he does his homework he does research before he confronts whoever he's going to confront so he can use psychological warfare on so And that's one thing I admire about Moth Giddy. So I think he was one of the perfect uh, big bads for this series.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's the first time a Moth is more an imperial governmental rank than a military... It's slightly military. What it it turns up is he's a sector governor over a certain sector of Imperial space. And moths report to grandmoths. Right. So, yeah, after pretty much most of the Imperial... um, government's kind of taken up he's one of the parts that's left and yeah he was former Imperial Security Bureau so that's how he done his homework on this crew and then to wrap up the reckoning is we also do get to see um IG11 take out. Oh no, that's on. That's that's the end one. Now this is where yeah this turns up as a great big surprise that Quill's on one of the blurs trying to get the youngin to them in town and he or get back to the Razor Crest with right. with Grogu and he gets took out by two bike, biker scouts and scooped up and we're thinking oh no. Gideon's won this one because now they've got him. He's been hunting for him the whole time and gone too soon as Quill because he was a great character that everybody
0: loved. Yes, he was. was.
1: Then we get the last chapter 8 which just had us talking for we're still talking about it Four years later that IG-11 goes busting in the town, taking down stormtroopers left and right, gets himself into the cantina where they're holed up. And they're still holed up. (coughs) And they find a way out that takes them back down into the covert where the Mandalorians were were introduced to hiding in, in chapter one. So while he's working on that, the crew goes outside to kind of take it to Gideon's remnant, taking down troopers here and there. But they can't quite make a punch straight out, so they're pinned back up in and in the cantina. And Gideon orders them, burn them out, and he sends in an incinerator trooper who now we get to really see exactly what Grogu can do, that he starts lighting the place up to torch it, and he uses a force wall to hold back all the flames and blow the trooper back out of the cantina, literally saving everybody who you would say is his friends because they're looking out for him. So he saved all of them. Yep. Yep. They worked their way down into the sewers, To a lava river and they find a, a barge that has a fairy droid on it I'd heard the spoilers about this too that it was an astromech with arms sort of in relation to IG-11's arms and legs that doesn't quite listen to what he's being told to because Caradoon pops his dome off so then they're getting working their way on the barge out of the lava tunnel on the river when Mando has has his uh, infrareds on on his helmet visor and notices there's a platoon of stormtroopers at the mouth of the tunnel, that they're not going to make it out of this. And then they get into a short little disagreement with IG-11, who says he's got to do his part to protect them, and Mando kind of disagrees because he's had this dislike of droids who took out his village when he was a kid and killed his family and his parents and likely anybody else that he knew. But now he suddenly got this attachment to IG-11 where he's saying he needs, he's needed by the crew. And IG's just set straight to that he's got to do what he's got to do. And he steps out of the barge into the lava and walks out to the mouth of the tunnel and uses that thermal detonator that he tried to use a few times on overall of seven because he couldn't be captured. And he makes that same statement and takes out the entire platoon of stormtroopers, which lets Grief and Kara and Mando and the kid go free, but not quite just yet, because it turns up there's Mock Gideon in in his Outlander. Come in to handle business himself, and Mando goes at him one on one with that jetpack, uses a couple grab charges, and puts that Tie Fighter straight into the ground. So we wrap up chap season one with Mando's got to take the kid and try and go find his kind. Right, and Kara's gonna stick around and maybe give grief a hand on Navarro.
0: It's like Pope Sheriff or head of, the, uh, head of security.
1: Mm-hmm. And then to close it out, we go back, we're taken back to that crash outlander and Jawas are straight to it. Yeah, the end. They ain't on just Tatooine. They're on Offworld, on Aurora 7, and they're floating around on Navarro, too. Yeah, then there's down Scrap Ship. You know what Jawas are all over it. But then the other very unexpected thing we get out of Season 1 is this glowing white and black blade stabs itself through the back of the hull of this outlander cutting the doorway out is moth gideon yes. Yes. with the dark saber which had everybody in an uproar because that was a mandalorian weapon in the hands of mandalorians how in the hell did he turn up with that
0: yep and that was the thousand or the million dollar question between seasons 1 and 2 everybody was Trying to speculate how he get it. The last person we knew with it was uh Bo Katan.
1: Mm-hmm. How
0: he got it? So I, it was just one of those things. And the first actually, the first thing I thought of when I saw that Darth Vader, I really thought I'm like, are we gonna get to see Bo in season two? Because that's the first person. The last person that I knew that had it.
1: That's the last person any of us knew that had it.
0: So, yeah, how'd he get it from her? Which we'll eventually find out how he got it. But <clears throat> that was just one of those things, and I was excited, too, because anybody that knows me and has been following me for a while knows that Bo Pan is, like, my favorite Mandalorian of all time. Um, of course... And right behind her is Jin now, so. But yeah, she's my favorite main of all time, and I was so excited. I'm like, yeah, I really think we're gonna see her in season two. And then when we did, that was the highlight for me for season two. But we'll get to season two next week.
1: Go. So out of eight chapters, let's see what else didn't we touch on. Kawaki and monkey lizards on a roasting oh, spit. Yeah, roast and spin.
0: yeah. <laughs> making their friends watch. <laughs> that was kind of cruel. Seeing that one Kawaki li- monkey lizard watch his friend get roasted. I was like, yeah. oh.
1: Would have never thought that they would have been made. Food? Okay. Right. I guess they turned up they could be.
0: Right. So, hey. Uh, let's
1: see, also from this little Mandalorian handbook. There's a lot of neat little stuff in here. Oh, yes, not only the covert, we're also introduced to. A lot of folks thought that the Mandalorians underground were a clan. They're not. They're remnants of what was left after the Great Purge just like Din himself, were kind of wandering it's the galaxy. Yeah, they they came together finding each other from what was left of their own clans. See, that covert is made up of basically homeless Mandalorians. Yeah. Who, a lot of folks wondered about this for the longest time. We got the answer in season three. And by the time season one wound up, we had two years to wait for season two. A lot of folks were really wondering what was the whole deal with why this particular sect of Mandalorians chose not to take their helmets off in front of one another, nor anyone else.
0: Yeah. That that had me confused. mm -hmm. She always takes her helmet off.
1: Yeah, we've seen it countless times with Sabine Wren, her family, Ursa, yeah. her, her brother Tristan. Yeah, and but this 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 sect of Mando's for their relig- religious belief walk that way that choose not to. Right. Yeah, we're also introduced to the leader of this sect, the armorer and we've never been given a name for her all we know her as is the armorer who fashions different replacement parts and different parts of armor for their sect when when it's needed kind of is their religious leader and
0: yeah. she 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 has like a calm leadership demeanor about her. Because when she, like, when Din and Visla uh, get into it, there, uh, I think it's up there, chapter three, and she just, it wasn't like she got up and, like, yelled and screamed. She just, like, got caught up and spoke to him, and they both, you know, relented, and but yeah, she's <clears throat> armor portrayed brilliantly by Emily Swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody doesn't know who she is, go, go look her up, see her, see what other work she's done, and I get, I almost guarantee that she's been in something that you've seen before because she's seen other like nerdy things that we all most likely like as well. So.
1: I'm sure she had to have turned up in the Marvel Universe somewhere.
0: I know she was... Where Where I was first introduced to her was in Supernatural. I I used to watch that so well. I came into that show late and, like, binged it on Netflix. But, yeah, she was in that. And I can't... Not off the top of my head, but, yeah, she was in a lot of, lot of stuff that... Uh, us nerds would have probably seen... Before.
1: Mm hmm. She's also been guested on many, many different Star Wars podcasts. You can go jump back in to your podcast libraries and look up. Yeah, she's guested on many and talked about her fandom because she's also a fan like us.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Follow her on Instagram to keep those thumbs great videos, some funny videos that she she actually does with another person on Instagram. He he has an Instagram account that he plays uh, the Mandalorian. He has a perfect set of armor that he wears. He makes these different videos with Brogu and the rest of his family dressed up as other different characters. And he does these funny videos. And lately he's been, I guess he reached out to Emily Swallow and she agreed to do some videos with him. And they're they're just fun to check out.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, She did pull a uh, neat little stunt a year or two ago at one or two Comic-Cons that she does have her own armor costume. She has the the whole get-up that's looks exactly like what the costume and props department at Lucasfilm made for her to wear on set. She went to a couple Comic Cons and dawned that year, portraying her character, when folks at the Comic Con thought it was just another costumer doing it, when in actuality it really was Emily. She just didn't let them know. She, she kept that a secret from them. You know, watching the short little clips that she shared out, out of that was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What other takeaways from? Oh, just listening recently, in my way, way back, going back to Sanctuary, chapter four on Sorgan, was the Clatuinians. I know a lot of folks have a hard time figuring out exactly what that what that race is. We see them on their. Members of that species are, are part of Jabba's crew that we see at the Great Pit of Carcoon. right? And how they turned up with that ATST. I just had a pod in my ears yesterday that I was talking back to them four years in the past that they thought that uh, they were hired by the Empire because they had that ATST. And um, no, they that was leftovers from when the Empire whatever business they were doing on sorgun and when the Empire fell and if there was a garrison there, they likely took to their heels and left everything behind and those plateau Indian Raiders turned up and got themselves a discount ATSD because they painted it up with markings and they got all kind of different contraptions and stuff put up on that. Yeah, it was it was fun seeing the little makeshift plan. How uh, Ben gathered up the the whole little village and said, "You can't live here anymore." <laughs> when Caradine kind of turned it around the other way, and they were really really willing to, to stand up for their home. That that was all right. they knew, and it went back generations in their families that got handed down to them. That yeah, they they learned. They were willing to stand up for themselves. And a lot of folks really wondered how it was that when Ben busted out the weapons locker from the Razor Crest and was handing out different weapons and asked the line of them, you know, who knows how to use a blaster? And O'Mara put her hand up. A lot yeah. of folks thought, what? What's her backstory? Was did she fight with the rebellion? And I'm thinking, no, folks, you, you're you're reaching too far. Keep it. She's a farm girl. Her father raised her learn how to use a blaster I have a little sister when she was growing up my stepdad taught her how to shoot that farm farm kids just learn that kind of stuff no she didn't she didn't fight for the rebellion or anything else she was a farm girl who learned how to use a blaster
0: right and of course just whole this little training sequence um, also reminded me of the episode of the Clone Wars where Anakin and Obi-Wan were on, I forget what planet it was, and they were teaching Earth Farmers how to defend their cells themselves. So. Oh,
1: was that um, on Onderon? Was Saw and it, Steel a
0: gr- It could have been because it was, um, I believe it was Honda. That was coming to raid the village, and Ooh, uh,
1: this is the different part of Clone Wars. All right, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't.
0: Anakin fun. was training the villagers because they said they wanted to stay and fight.
1: That might take me down a Clone Wars rabbit hole later on because yeah, yeah I there's. I
0: do I remember the name of the episode, but I'm pretty sure there's people out there yelling at their phones right now. <laughs> Saying the episode name, but yeah, that that's what that instantly reminded me of, especially with Kara Doom there, like training them how to use the sticks and as weapons.
1: Oh no, I think I know where you're. It, that might have been Felucia. This is the one where Captain Rex gets hurt, and they find Cotton McQueen. I believe might have been, been that one
0: believe you're right but yeah like I said I wish I my memory was better
1: yeah there's six seasons of Clone Wars that's a that's a lot of Star Wars right there that's a yeah. lot
0: but yeah I as far as season one I'm not sure but I think you know I
1: think we did it yeah yeah that was that was a very fun... See, this is what it's like right now in my Way, Way Back playlist. Listening I'm pretty much up to Chapter 6 with everybody I'm listening to. Um, oh, let me think. The Force Geeks are in there. Wookie Radio's in there. I'm trying to think who all else I got. I've still got some coming up Uh, extra Star Wars Sean he's in there Uh, I'm posting these up in the Twitterverse and there's a lot of friends that are like tagging me back that went back a long ways Star Wars Escape Pod that's another one I got yeah folks are really surprised that I'm going back that far to find all these different all these different pods Star Wars Reactions is another one. Yeah, thanking me for going back and I'm like, Well I remember." I list- listened to him the first time back that long ago. Star Wars Sessions is another one. Yeah, there's a lot back it- back there to-, to go dig into. Till this strike's done. I'm just gonna keep going through that and then I can jump into season two with everybody and, and that's who's keeping My playlist rolling after I finish everybody that's current. I get a few current ones to do before I jump into my way, way back. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun listening to all the wonderment that all of us went through back four years ago with with these stories. A lot of fun.
0: I mean, I've gone back to. uh, I went back to when Force Awakens came out, listening to some different pods I listened to and listen to the exciting stuff like that mm-hmm. especially the ones that actually took their like their phones out at the movie theater and then you get fans that came out of the theater that was really fun
1: I hadn't thought about going back quite that far because i can literally go which and what and wherever direction i want i just wanted to try something Keep something consistent, but yeah, I might go back 2015. That would be funny. Here's some of those folks. Again, it right. would have to sure. be with some of the ones that I've had that are the long timers like Wampus Lair. Yeah, right. they're, they're they're in that mix too. Carl, Jason. Aggressive negotiations. They're long, long timers. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody else is listening, definitely post it up in the Twitterverse. Who are you listening to? It it helps them. It lets them know they're being heard. Right. So I always say that they're the reason I do what I do so that they know that they're being heard and that if other friends are looking for something to listen to, pick from my post. That's why I put them up for you and you're interested in listening,
0: give them a listen. Let them know. Right. Well, unless you have anything else, I think we are pretty much done.
1: Nothing else off of the top of my Imperial Garrison cap I can think of, Jeff. We did it.
0: Okay. Well, next week will be Mandalorian season two. So those of you that want to go back and refresh your memory and watch the episodes. I guess that's your homework for this week. So, but until then, and as always, I have spoken. Give the evacuation code signal. for stopping by the cafe life is all about passions thank you for lending me your ear while i shared all of mine you can follow the blue milk cafe on twitter at that bmc pod you can follow the facebook group the bmc pod you can also email the blue milk cafe that bmc pod at gmail.com and remember blue milk it does a body good